This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. If you're watching this on Facebook, be sure to share it. I think I'm okay for a few minutes, Joel. Good. Isn't our worship team wonderful? I love them. Yeah, I just, I love all of our crew, everyone. On the way here today, I was, uh, I was speaking to Pastor Randy Needham, who pastors Dwelling Place in Houston, a wonderful church. And we were just talking about the journey through this season, and he's on our board of directors, and he's a real wonderful support to Jesus' image. And he and Miss Lucy have hosted Jesus Houston, I think three times now maybe more. Uh, they're just precious to us. And they're probably watching. And I just want to say I love you guys. We all love you. But Pastor Randy asked me about what was in my heart. What was the Lord saying to me? What, what am I focused on right now? And if I'm having trouble talking here right now, uh, the presence of God is very strong in this room. And it's, 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 it's absolutely beautiful. I feel the wonderful joy of the Holy Spirit right now. And I just pray that his joy would fill your heart. Do you know his joy is our strength? So I don't know about anyone else in this room, but I feel the tangible presence of Jesus. And I don't say that lightly or... Uh, just to say it, I, I really do. And I'm grateful for the Lord's presence. His presence is everything. You know, there is so many opportunities, there are so many opportunities to look away from Jesus right now. So many opportunities to speak when he's not speaking so many opportunities to do things that he's not doing. There's a huge difference between something that looks good and something that is God. You know, the Bible says that our works will be tested one day in fire. One day we'll all stand before the throne and the Lord himself at the great judgment seat of Christ we'll look at all we've done or said and put our hearts and our lives to. Our motives will be revealed in that moment. Our, our harvest, his harvest in us, I should say, will be revealed in that moment. It's really a sobering thought. But a few weeks back, I was, I was with my father-in-law, I'm sorry, a few months in February, and I had the joy of sharing this with my parents group today, we were in Southern Cal and we had just had a, uh, a partner breakfast there in uh, Irvine, or Anaheim, or Irvine. And um, 
I told Joy Dawson, my dear friend, who's been such a support to me, to my family, to this ministry. Do you know, Joy has prayed for revival in America every Sunday afternoon for at least an hour. She's 94 years old. For at least an hour since 1974. I believe that's the correct year. That's incredible. Can you imagine that type of commitment, John? That's incredible. Every day. She's 94. She still prays for revival. I'm sorry, every Sunday. For at least an hour. What an amazing woman. She wrote a book called Intimate Friendship with God Through the Understanding of the Fear of the Lord. It's, it's a required read at our school here. All that being said, she was very close and still is close to my father-in-law. In the 90s, some of you may remember in those great crusades or on This Is Your Day, Joy being really a fixture, a consistent voice with the prophetic and intercession uh, with that ministry and with her teaching on the fear of the Lord that is really her life's message. As I was talking to Joy on the phone, as I now am beginning to do every week, Joy said, I said, Joy, it'd be great to bring my father-in-law to come see you. So he said, she said, I'd love that. So we drove up with Jess and my children and went to go see Joy. And to be honest, when somebody's in their 90s, you take those moments very seriously and they're precious. You don't know if you're going to get another one. So we drove up and my father-in-law began to share his heart with joy regarding the posture of his own heart and how he's living his own life and where, where his passion is and his focus. And Joy made a statement. She said, Benny, I know what you're doing. You're living with the throne in mind. You're living with the throne in mind. And she said, so am I. We all need to be living with the throne in mind. It brings me to another story. Uh, Reinhard Bonnke told us that when he was a young preacher, he was at the altar. If I've shared this with you before, forgive me. It never does you uh, poorly to hear it again. He was at the altar as a young preacher in Africa. I believe there was a pastor's conference or convention of some kind. And in those days, they would pray at the altar on their knees and cry out and tarry. And many received, as I said this morning in my parents' group, many received the Holy Spirit through tarrying in those old meetings. Many did not, but many did. And Reinhardt was on his knees behind an older preacher who was a well-known preacher, somebody Reinhardt greatly admired. And he heard that preacher confessing sins to God. He didn't intentionally 
want to listen, but he could not help it. And the preacher was crying out to the Lord, confessing his sin. And Reinhardt was shocked to hear that type of sin, or shocked to hear that this man would do that. Now, I don't know what that was. He never told us. But I'm giving you what he told us. And then Reinhardt prayed a prayer after hearing that man pray. He said, Father, teach me to mind now what will matter in the end. So as a young preacher, I'll, let me say that again. This is what he said. Teach me to mind now what will matter in the end. You know, Steph, our dear friend and sister, has become just such a fixture here. She may or may not be watching. She probably is, but her worship's blessed us all. Her precious daddy went to heaven this spring. And over the last few days, I've been thinking about him. I don't know why it must be the Holy Spirit and our love for the family, but I've been thinking about that. thinking about how he lived with the throne in mind. There are opportunities today to live with everything else in mind but the throne. Jesus spoke in this way. He used these types of words. Being awake, being alert, being a wise virgin with oil in your lamps and in my lamps. I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to awaken the church, not awaken us to meetings, but awaken us to Jesus. There's a big difference. A, a massive difference. And all that to say, our message must match the moment we're living in. Do, do you know what I mean by that? Like we can't, we can't just preach average stuff right now because this is not an average hour. This is, this is it. The nations are shaking. Systems are Shaking. Hearts are failing in fear as the Bible said would happen. And so our preaching, our teaching, our example, our marriages, our parenting, our prayer lives, they have to match the moment now. And only Jesus can help you talk about this stuff and make you happy. I have such a joy in my heart that is supernatural. 
And that's what the presence of Jesus does. And so, you know, it's easy to say, if someone were to ask you, what's life about? You say, it's about Jesus. I, I challenge our team. I challenge myself, my own family. Man, it's possible that at Jesus' image, we say it's about Jesus so much that that just becomes numbing. That we can become inoculated to him because we just talk about him. But what does it mean to say it's about Jesus? Does that just mean that we know the right thing to say? Or that we have the right backdrop up? Or what, is, what does it mean to say that we are Jesus' people, that we are about Jesus? Well, one of, one of the things it means is this, that life is about Jesus and nothing else. This life and the life to come are about Jesus. It means that his words are our food. It means that I lay down every other cause that does not glorify him. Jesus is not the mere center of all we do. <laughs> He's not the center only. He fills everything. If you had a giant glass bowl filled with water, and Jesus isn't just the center of the bowl. He fills every square inch, every nook and cranny. To say that it's about Jesus, listen carefully, is to say it's about his current Present presence. Let me say that again. It is to say that it is about his current present presence. His presence is always in the present, in the now. He wants to be feasted on now. So when we say, oh, this thing is just about Jesus, it means much more than just mentioning his name when it's time to give him the credit. Someone says, John, great song. And John goes, oh, that was about Jesus. Yeah, it was. But the only way to know it was about Jesus while John was singing is whether or not Jesus came while John was singing. And whether or not John was thinking about Jesus while he was singing. Whether or not the words were to the Lord authentically. Or whether or not they were meant for the crowd. Which is not bad. But it's not good. Because only God is good. <laughs> Do you realize the power of that statement? Only God is good. So at the end of the day, the Lord only accepts what the Lord himself does. 
And that really frustrates the human heart. The old man hates that. The old man wants a dog in the fight. The old man has a problem. If you're wondering, what is, who's the old man? Maybe you're just born again. I'm not, we don't have a random old man. <laughs> Somewhere around here. Uh, there's not that one old man. The old man is the man that's been crucified. Uh, that's your old man that Jesus nailed to the tree. Your old nature. But that old man loves to touch what God does not need help with. There's an old saying. It comes from the Mary and Martha account in Luke chapter 10. Martha is serving food and Jesus is there in the house and she's making food. I mean, if you're going to cook, you want to cook for Jesus. And then there's her little sister, Mary, who's just sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And she's staring at him. I bet you she was completely enamored. Not just by what came out of his mouth, but by the expression on his face, by the tone of his voice, by the breathing in between everything he said, how he said what he said, how he looked at her and the others when he spoke, the feeling around him because he was anointed with oil above his fellows, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit literally permeating around him, in him, through him, to the degree that if you touched the hem of his garment, sickness left you, and Jesus could literally feel the virtue coming out of his body. Bill Johnson says it like this. How sensitive do you need to be to the Holy Spirit to feel virtue leave you when you're going for a walk. This is Jesus. There's power around him. Heavenly power. Literal virtue. The same power that created the world. The same power that brought light in Genesis chapter 1 when the earth was formless and void. I'm talking about real power. The same power that filled the temple when Solomon dedicated it and the priests could not enter. Real power. The same power that was a pillar of fire by night that led Israel through the wilderness for 40 years in the dark. The same power that came as a cloud and cooled Israel during the day and shaded them from the natural elements. The same cloud, listen carefully, that carried Jesus back to heaven when he ascended. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit himself surging through Jesus 
as Mary sat there, trust me, my friend, I guarantee you, she felt his glorious presence and power coming off of her precious Jesus as she sat at his feet, staring at him, saying, there's no one like him. Don't you remember what Peter said when Jesus asked the disciples, are you leaving too? What is it about us that causes us to get such a blurred vision of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that we actually think that Jesus begs people to stay when they want nothing to do with his beauty? It might make us feel better, but he's not like that. He'll keep it moving. The Bible says when he appeared to the disciples on that storm-tossed sea of Galilee, that had they not stopped him, Jesus would have kept walking. What? You mean he can get on without me? He doesn't want to, but he can very easily. Very easily. He's so majestic. So beautiful. So Jesus tells Peter, are you going to leave? What caused him to say that? Because so many had left. Why? Because he said, if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, you cannot have a part in me. And he didn't help their theology out or their confusion by saying, hey, hold on, guys. Let me help you. This is symbolic. He didn't do that. He just said it. It landed. It frustrated. They left. And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, are y'all leaving? What is it about him that could cause him to speak that way? It's his worth. He is not cocky, but he knows who he is. He knows that he is literal bread. Holy bread. Perfect bread. Daily bread. And he keeps us alive. He knows that. So Peter answers and says, Lord, listen carefully, where shall we go? Where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Notice he didn't just say, you say great things. You have the best series we've ever heard. Your PowerPoint is phenomenal. The art, the graphics, so wonderful. Your statements are perfectly organized. Here's one. You are a great communicator. Jesus, friend, he doesn't communicate topics. He's not interested in wowing us. He communicates himself. If Jesus walks up to you, 
He's not coming with someone or something else. He's coming just with himself because he knows that he himself fixes all. Peter didn't say, you're a great speaker. Peter said, you have the words of life. You speak literal life when you talk to us we come alive you raise us from the dead daily with one syllable and so Mary's sitting there just staring at him I know you're still waiting for Matthew 5 but we're going to follow the Holy Spirit right now Mary's just looking, feeling his presence, feeling his power, watching him, watching him breathe, watching him blink, watching him weep, watching him smile, most likely discovering all of this put together. There is no one like him. Isn't that the truth? Who else is like him? Is there anyone else whose name is like the fragrance after the rain, John? You've heard me say this before. Does the name Daryl make your heart feel like the fragrance after the rain? Or how about Jack? (laughs) Sorry if you're watching. How about Jim or Don or Chuck, I mean, great names. How about some of the most beautiful names like Jessica or Sophia? My mom's name is Evelyn. Maybe you've got like a name Chauncey. Not, not so warming. But uh, Abigail, I think, it's, it's a pretty name. It's beautiful, right? It's in the Bible. Sarah in the Bible. Maria, Mary, it's a beautiful name. They sound wonderful. But there's no name like Jesus. There's nothing like mentioning his name in a place that feels horrible. You walk in, the place is dead. Like we say in charismatic circles, deader than a doornail. Dead. Or we say, it's a dead duck. The place is dead. The atmosphere is hard. You might feel off that day. You give yourself a moment. You close your eyes and whisper the precious name of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, your heart is warmed. In a moment. All of a sudden, you don't even care what's going on around you. Do you know what this generation loves to do? This generation loves to point away. That's what we do. We say, look at you. Look at your failure. Look at your imperfection. Look at you. 
I am going to look at you and critique you. When the whole time Jesus says, you're looking for a speck in them, but there's a plank in you, there's a plank, a two by four in your eye, you're looking for a splinter in theirs. This generation loves to blame our sin on someone else. I said that because they said that. That works in the world, but it doesn't work with Jesus. Everyone will give their own personal account, and I won't be able to blame John if I was rude to Jess last night. It'd be nice. It would help me out. What am I saying? In the flesh, we always look externally. Never realize it. Heaven is within us. Heaven is within us. There is no region, no city, no town, no place that can break the fellowship between you and the fountain that lives in your belly, literally. So Mary sat there, just blown away by his beauty. She discovered, I'm sure, that oh, he is perfect in all of his ways. I don't just love his points. I love his mannerisms. I love everything about him. And she's stuck in wonder, adoring the beautiful Son of God. Then there's Martha. Poor Martha. She gets such a bad rap. She was just wanting to cook God a meal. Not all that bad. And she's so busy, she's looking down at her sister going, what is she doing? Maybe you're watching and you have a family member or a roommate who just loves to be with Jesus. Maybe you're a parent and your child was backslidden Hear me well on this one. Maybe they never knew the Lord. Maybe they have been living a life of hell. Maybe they've been hooked on drugs and pornography. Maybe it's your husband. You prayed for years for that child or that husband or that family member. And they got saved. They met Jesus. But now you've got an issue with them. 
The issue is they won't come out of that room. Or the issue is they don't stop talking about Jesus. Let me tell you why they don't stop talking about Jesus. Because they met him. Like you met him. But maybe that relationship that you once had has become a theory. Maybe the cancer of balance has set into your soul. And life is predictable and church is predictable. The money's coming in and you're tithing and you're giving to missions and you bought the latest CD, but there's just one thing missing. There's no flicker in your eyes anymore. Maybe you need the Jesus that they won't stop talking about. Maybe you should go back to the journals you wrote, to the prayer request. Oh, save Daryl. Save Chuck. <laughs> save Jessica. And he did. He did. They loved staring at him. And that addiction exposes our lukewarmness. Yeah. So Martha says, Lord, Look at everything I have to do. Oh, by the way, that was a ministry meeting. Jesus was in the house. When Jesus is in the house, it's a ministry meeting. A lot was happening in the house. She said, Lord, tell her to help me. Martha's not all that bad. Just trying to help. Just serving, hosting. And Jesus says something so lovingly. Martha, Martha. Can you hear the love in his voice? Martha, Martha. Only one thing is needed. Only one. And Mary has chosen the better part. Listen carefully. You're serving me. She's ministering to me. You're working. She's adoring. And then he says, that cannot be taken from her.
I want to say this. Father, search my heart. But I want to say this as meekly and humbly as I can, knowing I have so much room to grow in that area. But I'm going to say it because I believe it. But I'm not pointing my finger. It's a plea from my heart. Could the church please lose the hustle? Could we lose the hustle? Do you know how many have forfeited their ministries? Because they're pursuing a pulpit? What is in people that they've got to be the number one. So what do you mean forfeit our ministries for a pulpit? Listen, you can start an organization, <laughs> but you can't start a ministry. <laughs> Only Jesus can birth the ministry. Why is the win Leadership. Why is the win an organization? Who said it? Certainly not the Lord. Why do you think people, not even young people, are spraining their thumbs literally from scrolling? It's screen crack. It's like they can't stop scrolling. And why? Because this, I'll tell you why. I need to know who loves me and who thinks I'm amazing. And I'm going to measure that by these metrics. Do you know how many Associate pastors have squandered their futures because they had to be the lead pastor. Do you know how many songs were never written because the psalmist who was supposed to be in his prayer closet became addicted to the road and he never caught the song? Because God doesn't kiss moving targets. Do you know how many encounters with Jesus have been squandered because the limelight replaced the secret place? The win is not the meeting. The win is the adoring. The win is him. The one Mary was staring at. And Jesus said, she found it. 
And the it is me. And nobody can take it. Back to the old saying. It took me 25 minutes to get to it. Here's the old saying. You're going to love this. When Jesus wants your love, don't bring him a sandwich. When Jesus wants your worship, don't bring him a plate of food. Just worship. Interestingly enough to me, when that precious woman poured what some would say was her dowry, that flask, that alabaster box of oil, anointing Jesus with the beautiful fragrance of worship. It's interesting to me that Judas says, why wasn't it given to the poor? Don't you find that amazing? I mean, it sounds right. Give to the poor. It is right. We give to the poor here. But when Jesus walks in the room, our greatest social endeavors bow their knee to the king. Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, mocked worship and used the poor as a smokescreen. He didn't care about the poor, the Bible says. He wanted the money. That spirit, that demonic spirit, that satanic spirit on Judas, listen carefully, will always downplay and mock the value of extreme, lavish worship. It will mock the need for it. Why would we worship? When we could be doing so many other things. Well, the answer is simple. Jesus Christ is the sole remedy for all brokenness in the entire world. And when he comes, he steals the show. On August 16th, when we gather again, I'm just warning you, we're going to let it fly. I feel it was a bad idea to keep us cooped up. But if the Holy Spirit comes into this room and wants to do something that challenges us, have at it, Lord. I feel it in my bones. I was watching our choir sing this morning. Some of you may have seen that I posted it, singing that song, Holy. And the Lord began to reintroduce me to who we are here. We are a people in love with the presence of Jesus Christ. Worship is our greatest joy. Ministering to him, our ultimate calling. And him coming is our soul 
purpose as a people and as a church. And I felt the Lord reintroduce us to that today. If you're listening to me, and you are, or you wouldn't <laughs> hear me at all. You don't know Jesus. That Jesus that I'm talking about, it's not real to you. Maybe you're not in love with him. Maybe he just doesn't do it for you anymore. It's not because he is no longer beautiful. It's just because we look away. Joel, can you help me, friend? I want to invite you tonight to give him your life, to come to him by faith. Give Jesus your heart. You come to him by faith, admitting you are a sinner. And we've all sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God is the person of God, his presence. We've fallen short of him because we, are, we have sinned. And sin cannot dwell in his presence. The Bible says his eyes are too holy, too pure to look upon iniquity. He can't even look at it. He can't see it. So what did the Lord do? He gave his one and only son. That whosoever, and that's you, whosoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What does it mean to perish? It means to be cut off from the presence of God now and forever. You might be walking this planet, but that doesn't mean you're alive, friend. Not really. You may be perishing with every step because you don't know Jesus. And sin is binding you. You don't have to live that way. The Bible says if we believe in him, that means to adhere to, to trust in, to lean upon. That we will not perish, but that we would have eternal life. You say, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to be saved? Put your trust and your hope, the entirety of your being, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let his amazing, precious, holy crucifixion, the shedding, of his blood. Let that atone for your sin and wash it away. He bled and died to pay the price for your death and to purchase you forever because he loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Are you getting that, Holy Spirit? Show us. Show us the beauty, the power of that. Jesus died for you. What love is this? Who is like him? Who else has the words of life and would still die for you? He died and shed his blood. And he was buried in the ground so that the grave would not hold you. He defeated it by going into it. And then he came out of the grave three days later so that you could have hope in the resurrection and also to declare that he is the son of God worthy of all glory but also worthy of your life and that Jesus has ascended to the highest heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the father and he ever lives to intercede for us 
for those who are his own. And that could be you tonight. Jesus as your great high priest interceding for you forever. Praying for you at the right hand of the Father and your bridegroom. He will come back again as King of Kings, as loving bridegroom to take you home and rule and reign forever. This is the Lord and there's no one like Him. Would you give Him your life tonight? If you want to, now's the moment. You just come as a child and we're going to pray. Just pray after me the best you can from your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you a sinner. Forgive my sin. I repent of my ways. I repent from my sin. And I turn to you, wonderful Lord. I turn my back on sin and I turn to you. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you walked the earth, that you suffered and that you died. And I believe that you were buried and three days later raised from the dead. And I declare that you are alive. I confess it with my mouth. I believe it in my heart. And I believe that you are coming back again as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so I give you my life, Lord Jesus. Receive me as I receive you. From this day forward, I make you the Lord of my life. You own me. My will is yours and my future is yours. I am born again in Jesus name Amen Amen if you pray that prayer we want to walk with you help equip you every day read your Bible every day pray every day pray just go in your room close the door and pray read your Bible until your heart is warmed until the Lord begins to make his presence real to you pray until his presence becomes real to you thirdly become planted in a local church. The Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Look for a church that loves the Word of God, that loves the presence of God. You want a church that believes the whole Bible and honors the, the presence of God among them. Get baptized in water. It's very important. We can help you with all of this. If you have any questions, please let us know. And lastly, ask Jesus, the great baptizer, to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. I'll do that. I'm going to pray now, actually. Father, baptize those precious people who've come to you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill them with power to be a witness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, this is a family meal. And I want you to get your communion elements ready. Now that many have come to Jesus, this is a perfect opportunity for us to receive communion together. And for those of you who are sick, for those of you who do know the Lord, and there's sin in your life that you need to give to the Lord, give it to Him now. 
Ask him to look at you. Say, Lord, is there anything I need to give you? As we receive communion tonight, I'm believing that the power of the Holy Spirit will begin to flow and that God will begin to touch many of you. And as he does, I want you to begin posting what it begins happening to you after we take communion. Thank you, Father. Give you all the glory. Let's trust the Lord and come in faith. Precious Holy Spirit, we call on you now. Come upon us as we receive the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive our sin and wash us. Let's lift this precious bread to the Lord, the body of the Lord Jesus. Lord, you were suspended and crucified, lifted, so we lift the bread. You told us to receive this, and every time we do, we declare the Lord's death until you return. Heal your people as we receive the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and union with you through this precious covenant meal. Amen. Let's receive it. lift the cup Father thank you for the cup of the covenant I plead the blood over each person watching thank you that the life of the flesh is in the blood and your life is in the blood as we receive the precious blood of Jesus Christ tonight, let your life flow through every person listening and strengthen us. Equip us and strengthen our souls for these last days. Become our food and drink. As the church is an eternal reality and secure in you. I plead the blood over every person listening. In Jesus' name, let's receive. Thank you, Father. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life. 
everywhere.